Let's pray. Father, it's really good uh, for us to be, be here this morning, to be together uh, as a family uh, that belongs to you. Um, it's really good to be gathered together to lift our voices and worship you. It's really good to be together to sit at your feet and listen to your word and let it feed us and instruct us and challenge us uh, and inspire us and heal us. Um, Father, thank you for these uh, little moments maybe of quiet, maybe in a, in a busy time of year where we can pause and be still and listen to you. And I, I want to pray that this morning, in the quiet and the stillness, we would hear from you words of life that would do us good. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you are hoping, we, we've been kind of doing a little series through uh, Advent, um, preparing for the coming of Jesus. Um, and maybe you're hoping, it's 22nd of December, you're thinking, finally, we can just do Christmas and, and we're, we're done with Advent. Um, and if that's what you're hoping this morning, well, I want to say, hold your horses just a little bit. Um, I promise tonight when we get to the carol service, we're just doing Christmas, uh, good news of great joy. Um, but a friend of mine um, has been sharing on social media through, through Advent uh, this little series of uh, what are called tiny Advent poems, um, and I've been finding them uh, just really helpful, and this is just one of them. Advent is the hush in the theatre between the house lights going down and the curtain going up. Um, and I'm going to share a few more of these uh, a little bit later on, um, but maybe I want to suggest again that the joy of Christmas uh, if we're going to enter into the joy of Christmas, it's really good for us to pause and to hush a little bit before the celebration. Um, and so this morning, again, is going to be a little bit about a little bit of quiet, a little bit of hush, uh, so we can hear the good news whenever it, it comes. Um, and several times this morning, we're going to pause um, and have a little bit of quiet um, and each time I'm going to light one of our Advent calendars again, just to express visually our hope uh, in the light of Jesus that is coming, that Christ has come, that Christ will come again, and uh, that our hope is, and expectation is that he comes into our present moment um, and brings his light. Um, so we're going to do that um, as we go this morning. So I kind of that's my build-up apology for, it's nearly Christmas, and I want to read from Lamentations. So how about that for a, a, a Christmas reading? Um, so we're going to read from Lamentations, and then I'm going to connect it uh, a little bit to one of my favourite details in the Christmas story. So we'll build a little bit of a bridge from Lamentations to Christmas um, as we go. Um, so if you want to follow it, um, it's in Lamentations chapter 3. Um, I'm not going to have it on the screen, um, but... Um, so Lamentations chapter 3 if you're trying to find Lamentations it is after Jeremiah which is after Isaiah um, it's tucked away in there just a little, a little book um, we're going to read Lamentations 3 from verse 19 um, it's, one of the, it's a passage that has kept coming on my radar recently uh, from different directions um, 
So I want to share it with you this morning. Lamentations 3, from verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Um, so that's our reading for this morning. We'll, we'll refer to the Christmas story um, in a little while. Um, but just, um, I guess, three really simple reflections on this passage. I've, I found it really helpful that the writer of Lamentations um, does three, th- three simple things in this passage Um, And I want to give them to us as an encouragement this morning. Three things that we can practice in our lives, maybe especially at a time like Advent, uh, but at any time in our lives, three things that we can can do. Um, And and they are these. Number one, um, remember your afflictions. Um, So the, the writer names the things in his life that are painful and difficult, the things that make him sad the things that are, are not, not right in his life right now. Um, and, he, and he names them very um, directly. My affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. Um, and so I want to I say again that Advent is a time for lament. It's a time for naming the things that are wrong in our lives and our world and for grieving those things and, and kind of feeling their weight a little bit. Um, and if you read the rest of Lamentations, that's what the, re- that's what the, the writer does for the, the rest of the book, um, is lament. That's why, that's why the book has that name. It is a book of, of lamenting. Um, and it's not comfortable reading. It's probably not a lot of people's favorite book in the Bible, but it's truthful. It's a, it's a practice of truthfulness. He's naming the things that are wrong in his life and in his world. Um, back in chapter 2, Uh, He says, arise, cry out in the night, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. That's chapter 2, verse 19. Cry in the night, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. And that's that's the first encouragement. Remember your afflictions and pour them out to the Lord. Don't just grumble by yourself or to other people, but direct them towards the Lord. Um, and maybe, maybe one of the things I found really noticeable as I was reading a bit through Lamentations is that the writer doesn't just lament his own personal trouble, though he does, he talks about his own grief and pain, but also the troubles of his people, um, the, the troubles of his city, the troubles of his nation. Um, and he, kinda, he almost personalizes and kind of feels their pain as his own. So actually the line gets blurred between, sometimes you're not sure, is he lamenting his own afflictions or is it the afflictions of the people of Israel? Because they're, they're one and the same. 
Um, he laments on behalf of his people. He groans and cries out on their behalf. Um, and so I, I want to encourage us this morning. Um, today, 22nd of December, is the, the darkest uh, day of the year, physically. Um, and, and I think it's a really good time to remember those who are in pain and trouble, those who are afflicted, those who are weighed down by grief. And this is a time of year when we're often in a hurry to dash to the, the merriment and the, the celebrating. Um, I think it's really good that we pause as God's people and remember our own afflictions, but also the afflictions of others. Um, and, and I want to encourage you maybe even right now to, to bring specific people to mind um, who you are aware as they go into this time of year when everybody around them is singing jingle bells, but who are carrying really heavy burdens, who are afflicted um, by trouble, by sadness, by grief. Um, I'm kind of mindful of, I, I don't want to weigh us down with um, overwhelming things, but I'm aware you're, you're going to have specific people that are in mind, and I want to I share with you um, a couple who are in, in my mind. Um, I think part of what I've been feeling challenged about is, I don't want, I'm looking forward to this week, but I don't want to dash into Christmas and forget about those I know and care about who are really afflicted. Um, Debbie and I have uh, friends called Steve and Laura. Uh, I, I can't talk about this without quite a lot of emotion. Um, they, they're American. They used to be missionaries in Ireland. We knew them when they were working down in Wexford. Uh, we found them just a delight to do ministry with and to know and to get to know them and their family. Uh, Laura and Steve are now back in the States in Alabama. Uh, Steve is a minister, a Presbyterian minister there. Um, Laura works for a mission organization. They continue to serve God really faithfully. Um, and just a few months ago, just a couple of months ago, uh, we received a prayer letter from them in which they, they told us the news that their 19-year-old son had committed suicide. And Debbie and I just found we had, we had no words to even begin to know how to respond or how to, what to say. Um, we found it really hard even to imagine what they were going through. Um, and they've been an incredible model of walking through that grief with a lot of honesty um, about the pain, but also with a lot of hope in God. Um, and so I'm, I'm just mentioning them to say, you will have people who are like Laura and Steve for you, as I'm going into this week, I want to take a moment um, to remember Laura and Steve and their afflictions, the bitterness and the gall, and to remember them before God, uh, to pour, pour out before God uh, my prayers for them. Um, and so I want to encourage you, um, just take a moment. Um, let's take our first, first little moment in quiet um, and maybe just bring to mind people who are in your heart who are troubled and weighed down and afflicted and for whom this is going to be a difficult time of year um, and just name them in the quiet in God's presence. So let's take a moment in quiet.
I'm going to just light our first candle. As we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Um, by the way, I think it's, it's been in my heart to maybe encourage us to think of, think of others we know who are afflicted. Um, if you find, as we're reflecting this morning, that you're feeling so overwhelmed by your own troubles, that that's all you can think of, then by all means, just bring those to God. <laughs> bring yourself to God if you're feeling uh, weighed down yourself. Um, so the first thing uh, that this passage encourages us, encourages us to do is to remember our afflictions and to pour them out to God. Uh, but the second thing is this, is to call to mind God's great love. Um, I, was really, I was really taken by that phrase, I, I call this to mind. It's a, it's a really deliberate, intentional thing that, that the writer does. Um, I call this to mind. I bring it to the forefront of my, my mind. I choose to turn my mind to, to think about this. Um, and what is it that he calls to mind? Um, well, he uses, he uses lots of beautiful language to describe it, but it's the Lord's great love, his compassions which never fail, which are new every morning, and his great faithfulness. Different ways of expressing this one wonder of God's great love, his great faithfulness, his great compassion. Um, uh, and again, it's worth, worth maybe just noticing um, the writer of Lamentations doesn't rush to this point quickly. Um, I, I think I was kind of reflecting um, maybe the way we tend to operate at times um, or that I tend to operate, we might talk about the painful stuff for a minute and then, and then rush very quickly to, but of course we know God loves us and we know God's faithful and, and whatever. And we, we sometimes do it a little too quickly and maybe a little too lightly. Um, and it's worth noticing, this is chapter three of Lamentations, so he's been grieving and lamenting and crying out to God for three chapters before he gets to this point. He takes time to feel the weight of what is going wrong in his life and in his people and in his world. But then, having done that, he chooses to fix his mind on something else. Um, so in a, in a way, I think he's saying, these afflictions are real and they are deep and they are grievous. But there is something that is more real than his afflictions and the afflictions of his people. There is something that is deeper than even the depths of their sorrow. There is something that is going to outlast their afflictions. And that is the love of God, the compassion of God, the faithfulness of God. Um, that is more real, that is deeper, that is longer lasting than even these deep and grievous things that have gone wrong in their lives. Um, maybe the, the, word, the word I might use is he chooses to contemplate the love of God. There's a difference between kind of thinking lightly of, oh, God loves us, and kind of in a light, frothy, surface kind of way. But he chooses to contemplate the love of God, to fix his mind, his heart, his attention, so it fills his mind and heart. Um, and therefore he is able to say, because of these things, I am not consumed. Right, which is amazing when you read the first three chapters and see all the things that have gone wrong and all the things that are weighing on him and his people. But when he contemplates 
the love and faithfulness and compassion of God, he says, therefore I am not consumed and therefore I have hope. Right? It's, the, it's the fixing his mind on the, the reality of God's love um, that allows him to have hope, that allows him to say, I'm not consumed. So I want to encourage us again. Um, let's take a moment to be quiet and maybe again bring the same people that we brought to God a moment ago, uh, or maybe ourselves. Um, and let's ask this time that God would reveal to those who are afflicted his great love, his compassion that never fails, his great faithfulness, and that God's love would be more real to them today than their afflictions, um, that they would know at the center of everything that they are loved with an everlasting love, and therefore they are not consumed, um, that they would feel hope stirring in them uh, today. So let's take a moment uh, and again bring, bring those here in our hearts to God. Father, would you reveal, right now as we pray, would you reveal to those who most need it your great love, your compassion that never fails, your great faithfulness. And it's easy for us to say those words, but we want to pray that you would reveal the reality of those things as something thunderous and solid and real and deep that would surround those who are afflicted and in pain today. And we pray that they would feel hope stirring. They'd be able to say, I am not consumed by these things. Would you reveal your love to those who most need it today? Amen. We'll light our second candle just as we express our hope. We pray again, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Um, what's the third thing uh, we noticed in Lamentations 3? So, so we're encouraged to um, remember our afflictions. We're encouraged to call to mind God's great love. Uh, but then the third thing is that we're encouraged to wait quietly. And th this was kind of the phrase that uh, I think caught my attention over the last couple of weeks. Um, Debbie and I were away. We, we tried to get away in December for an overnight uh, to a, a, a silent retreat for 24 hours uh, that friends of ours run down in Dublin. And every time I go, I find it um, extraordinarily helpful um, and so different to the normal uh, rhythm of our lives. Um, it reminds me again how, how little quiet <laughs> we often have um, in our lives. Um, and so I was really struck by this phrase, it is good for us to wait quietly. <laughs> Just, I, really, I really like that. It is good for us to wait quietly. Um, and I guess I've been thinking about how we're not very good at waiting quietly uh, in our culture. Um, I don't know if you've had the experience recently of being in a, 
a waiting room uh, in a doctor's surgery or, or somewhere else, uh, or waiting at a bus stop, uh, or waiting in any place where people wait. Um, uh, I think the experience of waiting has changed in our culture now, because as you look around the waiting room, uh, what is everybody doing on the whole? Uh, everybody has their phone out, which of course is, is silent in a sense, but it, it fills that moment of waiting with the noise of what our friends are saying and what the media is saying and what's going on in the news and what's going on elsewhere. So we have that little five or ten minutes of quiet, but we fill it with, with noise or we pick up a magazine or we watch the TV, whatever daytime TV is going on, um, and we fill it. We're not very good at waiting quietly. We don't quite know what to do with ourselves or with our hands or uh, with our eyes or whatever. Um, so some of you know my, my favourite um, fiction in, the whole, in all the world um, is a series of novels and short stories um, written by, by a, a farmer from Kentucky called Wendell Berry. Um, and they're, they're, they're all set in a, a fictional small town in Kentucky uh, called Port William. Um, and I guess a lot of them are set in the days before electricity and before machines, when people farmed with horses and all this kind of stuff. And definitely there's a bit with Wendell Berry of nostalgia and of maybe lamenting some things that have been lost in the modern world. Um, and there, there's, there's a scene in one of his novels uh, that has always stayed with me. It's a really simple scene where uh, an, old, an old man who's still working as a farmer um, comes into his living room after a hard day uh, working on the farm and he sits down on a chair. He doesn't like soft sofas, so he sits on a hard wooden chair and he just settles himself in the chair with his feet on the floor and then he just sits quietly in the room as the light fades and Wendell Berry describes how as he sits there he becomes aware of the aches and pains in his body from the, the day of work that he's just done and he feels some kind of joy and satisfaction in what he's achieved today. And then his mind turns and he thinks about what he needs to do tomorrow when he makes some plans and intentions. And then as he sits there, um, his mind starts to roam and he starts to remember things that happened years ago and things he's grateful for and things he grieves and he just sits and remembers in the room. And I think that little scene has always stayed with me because I think whenever I read it, I, I find myself thinking how healthy that is to just sit in a chair and wait patiently, wait quietly. Um, and I guess I find myself thinking how rare it is in our culture because when we reach the end of a busy day and we flop down in our soft sofa, um, again, what do we do? We reach for the remote control, we reach for our phone, we reach for something that will fill the silence with chatter and noise and, uh, and all the rest. Um, or even sometimes we reach for a book, which for some of us is like the highbrow version, and we think, we think well, that's cultured and that's, that's good. But again, it's different to just sitting and becoming aware of your day and your life and of God and of whatever else. Um, I think this is probably an exaggeration, but uh, Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician and philosopher, once said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably an exaggeration. I don't think all our problems come from there. But I, 
I think as I get older, I'm thinking he's on to something. That if we could learn to sit quietly in a room alone and let our life settle around us a little bit and become aware of our life and become aware of God and let things um, come to mind and come to our heart, um, I think it would do us good. Um, so I'm struck, it's good for us to wait quietly. Um, but what are we waiting for in, in Lamentations? Um, we're waiting for the salvation of the Lord. Right? So it's not just general. It is good to sit quietly in general, I think. Um, but it, it's good for us to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What, what does that mean? Um, we, we often, um, I guess, jump to think salvation means only one thing, which is the forgiveness of sins and going to heaven when you die. Um, but salvation is a much bigger word than that. Um, it certainly refers to those things, but it, it refers to all the ways in which God rescues us. All the ways in which God rescues us from trouble. Um, and so in this context, what does, what does the writer to Lamentations mean when he says it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of God? Um, well, he's just named his troubles and afflictions and the troubles and afflictions of his people. He's just said, I'm fixing my mind uh, on God's great love and faithfulness. But now he is waiting to see God's salvation. He's waiting to see how God will rescue him and his people from the trouble that they are in. That's what he's waiting for, I think. It's not, in this context, primarily a salvation that's internal or in the future or in the, in the long-term future after death. He's waiting to see how will God act to bring rescue to us in our affliction? Um, how will God show his love and compassion and faithfulness here in these circumstances where we are? How is the light going to break in to this present darkness? That, I think that's what, it, what he seems to mean. Wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Watch for what God is going to do where you are. Um, and, I, and I guess I wanted to encourage us to think, uh, to reflect on that, that God's salvation breaks into people's lives as something visible and tangible and not just something internal and not just something in the far future. Um, and maybe I wanted to ask, I wonder, do you believe that? That God's salvation, it certainly is about the forgiveness of sins and it certainly is about the hope of heaven. But God's salvation breaks into human lives in a way that makes people go, wow. That makes people say, do you see what God has done? It's all through the Bible, isn't it? Do you see what God has done? Um, I think that's what the writer is talking about. Wait quietly to see what God is going to do. Um, and so I want to encourage you, again, let's be quiet for a moment. And we, we've taken a moment and remembered uh, those who are in trouble and affliction. And we've asked that God would reveal his love to them. Um, let's take a moment now and ask that God's salvation would break into their lives in a visible and tangible way. That they would see the light breaking in. That they would see the green shoots coming up out of the ground as new life starts to, to happen. Um, so again, let's take a moment and be quiet um, and wait quietly before God.
Father, we ask for, for Steve and Laura and for the others who are on our hearts this morning. Um, we want to pray that they would see your salvation breaking into their story in a visible and tangible way. We want to pray today, we want to pray in this Christmas season, in this week ahead, that they would see your goodness in their lives. That they would see your faithfulness. That they would see your light. That they would see green shoots coming up out of the ground. That they would be amazed by what you're doing to rescue them from trouble. Would you show your goodness? Would you show your love? Would you show your power in all of these situations that are on our hearts? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, light our third candle as we express our hope. We pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Um, so I promised you I would connect at the Christmas before I finished, so you ready? Um, as I thought about waiting quietly before God, um, I also thought about one of my favorite details in the story of uh, Jesus' birth in the, in the, in the Gospels. Um, and it's this little detail, um, in, and you can read it in, in Luke chapter 2. Um, but just, it's really just one sentence. After the angels appeared to the shepherds, and the shepherds hurried to Bethlehem to see this thing that had happened, uh, and then the shepherds were so amazed by what they had seen, that they went to tell others. They became these evangelists who went to tell other people what they had seen. Um, and it says in the story that everybody who heard about it was amazed. So there was this kind of general um, bubble of amazement kind of uh, filtering out uh, through the shepherds. And there's a lot of, a lot of hur the hurry in the story. The shepherds, are, they hurry to Bethlehem and then they hurry off to tell other people. And there's a lot of excitement. Uh, but then in the middle of it all, uh, we read this, but Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think it might be my favorite line in the nativity story. Um, it gets me every time. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Um, and I, I always get the sense of in the middle of all the, the noise and hurry and excitement of what's happening with the angels and shepherds and strange visitors and everything that goes on, um, here's one person who is sitting quietly and she treasures these things and she ponders them. Isn't that a beautiful word? To ponder. <laughs> uh, and again, I find myself thinking we're, we're maybe not very good at pondering in our society. We kind of think a thought and then we move on to another thought and we jump around uh, all over the place. But Mary ponders on what's been happening in her life and what God has done and what God has said. Um, and I, I was reflecting often, often in the Gospels as you read them, um, the crowds are often amazed by what's going on. It often says the crowds were amazed. Um, but I don't know if you've ever noticed Jesus, I think it's a line in John's Gospel where it says Jesus, the crowd were amazed, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them. Um, so there's something about Jesus doesn't quite trust the froth of that surface reaction of excitement and everybody's excited and everybody's amazed and everybody's stirred up. Um, what is Jesus looking for? 
Um, he's looking for the person who will take his words to heart. Um, I think he's looking for people like Mary, who will have ears to hear and who will treasure what they've heard and ponder it so that it bears fruit. And so he's a little bit distrustful of surface excitement. Um, and I think I, I find that challenging in the Christmas season because there, there's an, even in Christian circles sometimes at Christmas where we try to kind of get each other excited about it. Isn't Christmas great? And don't we love Christmas? And we're celebrating Jesus and it's good news and it's great and it's wonderful. But sometimes it's more like the amazement of the crowd. Um, and sometimes in our Christmas cultural conditions, um, it's actually hard to find the quiet space to treasure these things and ponder them and let them go from head into heart and down into the depths of us. Um, and so maybe I want to encourage you. I, I wonder, um, I don't know what your Christmas is like with you and your family and, uh, and your friends, um, but I wonder, could you fight really hard this week? Not fight your family, by the way, but could you, could you fight really hard to find a little bit of silence this week? Um, just a little bit. Um, to wait quietly to treasure the message of what we celebrate at Christmas, um, the things God has done, the things God has promised, um, to ponder them in your heart. I wonder, could you pencil in a little pondering time <laughs> somewhere between all the other things that happen uh, this week? Um, some of you know, I, I have a kind of, in my grump, getting older, getting grumpy uh, kind of thing, uh, I, have a, I have an ongoing argument with some of our Christmas carols, uh, so I'm always, I'm always a little taken aback by some of the words of some of our carols. Um, and probably, being honest, some of the things I object to in my grumpiness probably don't matter that much, right? And maybe I need to be less grumpy. So, you know, for instance, there seems to be a lot of snow in the carols for, a, for something that happened in the Middle East. You know, snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow oh oh on snow. Right, that's a lot of snow, you know. Right, that I'm willing to say that one probably doesn't matter that much. Okay, we can let it go. Bit of poetic license um, and all the rest. Um, some of you know, some of them I'm convinced I'll be convinced in my dying day do matter, uh, especially the little Lord Jesus and the fact that he he definitely cried. That that one I will take to my take to my dying day um, as a, de a denial of the incarnation. Uh, he definitely cried, um, but. One of the little things in the carols that I've, I've been noticing recently is I, I've often wondered about all the talk about silence in the carols. Um, and, I, and I find myself wondering, why do the carols tell us it was a silent night? Because um, you and I know human births tend to be noisy in lots of different ways, with cries of pain and joy and everything that goes on. Um, and surely they were surrounded by farm animals, which don't tend to be quiet. There would have been all kinds of noises and things going on. Um, but I'm here to tell you this morning, I've made my peace with the silence and the carols. Um, and I think I've made my peace in this way, that I, I still don't think it was a silent night when Jesus was born. I think it was ordinary and messy and human and noisy. Um, but I do think in order to hear the message of Christmas and in order to receive this good news of great joy, we need some silence. Um, and we need to hush the outward noise. And we need to also, which is trickier 
hush the inward noise. And we need to learn to wait quietly. And we need to learn to treasure. And we need to learn to ponder. Um, and so I wonder if I can invite you one last time <laughs> um, to just sit, sit quietly for a few minutes. Um, I heard somebody on a podcast say this week that in evangelical culture, when we say we're going to be quiet for a moment, we mean 20 seconds. Um, so I'm going to let this one stretch a little longer. Okay. Um, I'm going to put up on the screen um, a few more of those little Advent poems, and you may find those helpful just to think about and treasure and ponder as we wait, as we long for the coming of Messiah, uh, as we wait for the light to break in. Um, these may help you, or you may want to just sit with your eyes closed um, and, and be alone with God and reflect. Um, I'm going to light our fourth candle, um, again, just to express our hope. So one last time, um, I don't know how much silence you'll get this week, but let's take a few moments together just to wait quietly, to treasure, to ponder, um, and then I'll pray uh, and we'll sing together before we go. So that's it.
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow some old words uh, from an old uh, carol, um, just for our, our closing prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, yet in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us, today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. Let's stand and sing together as we finish. <clears throat>